Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 7 of Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to begin by reading verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. In our last study, we were looking at the phrase, the second death. We saw it's found four times in the book of Revelation. And we also saw that um, God associates certain things with the second death. That is, the characteristics of the second death, which help us to understand it. It helps us to define it. And in our last study... We were looking at three characteristics, and we went through two of them. The first characteristic of the second death was God uh, speaks of uh, those that are hurt by it. And we saw in Revelation chapter 9, and also in Revelation 22 and verse 11, that God um, uses that same word, hurt, uh, in regards to the five months of torment, or uh, it in regards to uh, what happens to the unsafe people in the day of judgment, those that are hurt or unjust, as it says in Revelation twenty-two eleven, will be hurt still, unjust still. Their spiritual condition will not change. And then, secondly, we. Uh, we saw a second characteristic of the second death is the lake of fire. That the Lord identifies the lake of fire with the second death. And, uh, and we went to Revelation 19 verse 20, uh, where God speaks of taking the beast and the false prophet and casting them alive into a lake of fire. And, We've discussed that before, and and we saw, will that happen at the beginning of Judgment Day on May 21, 2011? And, and so, too, did the hurt which came upon the unsafe people of the earth begin uh, at, at that point, on that day, when Judgment Day commenced and continues. So the second death, um, as far as those two characteristics or those two words that uh, the Lord uses in association with the second death to be hurt or to be cast into the lake of fire, both relate to the the beginning of Judgment Day and the entire time, the, which is typified by five months. Well, a third characteristic is brimstone. 
fire and brimstone. Um, for instance, uh, it says in in Revelation 21, verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So the lake of fire is a lake of fire and brimstone. And and God uses brimstone. Um, if we go back to Revelation chapter 9. In Revelation 9, beginning in verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and then that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. So there God is tying together fire, smoke, and brimstone with that word hurt that um, is also used earlier in Revelation 9 concerning the five months. So they're hurt throughout the five months. They experience fire, smoke, and brimstone throughout the uh, figurative five months period, which represents the uh, complete duration of Judgment Day, the 1600 days in all likelihood. And, and so the fire and brimstone is also um, something the Bible speaks of as applying to the the entire prolonged period of Judgment Day. Um, in Revelation chapter 14, it says in verse 10, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And again, we've gone over this um, many times that um, the context of Revelation 14 is Judgment Day. And Judgment Day began May 21, 2011. So this third characteristic of fire and brimstone also is used to represent uh, God's wrath being poured out over the entire period of judgment, uh, which which means all three, the hurt, the lake of fire, and the fire and brimstone, these three things that God ties together, he links to the second death, all three are in evidence throughout the entire prolonged period of Judgment Day. And and that proves that the second death also is occurring and has been occurring since we entered into this period of God's wrath on the world, in into Judgment Day. And, you know, that that's important for us to understand because... We think of a second death, and and yet 
uh, we see people are still walking around. They're still going about their business and living their lives in the world. And we think, well, they can't be dead. Uh, they, they can't have, a, they cannot yet have experienced the second death because they're still living. And yet we could say the same thing about, um, the lake of fire. How could, uh, they be in a lake of fire? How could the unsaved in the churches be cast into the fire? Or Satan, when Satan still goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Or how could there be fire and brimstone when there's been no outward change in the world uh, and, and people are not being destroyed by any literal fire and brimstone? But remember, we, we saw a long time ago that, that God speaks of fire or brimstone spiritually. If we turn back to Psalm 11, it says in verse 5, Jehovah trieth the righteous, but the wicked in him that loveth violence his soul hateth. And that's a good verse to sum up what is happening to all people at this time. During the period of God's judgment, God is trying the righteous and hating the unsaved by punishing them. And then in verse 6, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. And that's the cup of God's wrath. But notice that God says he is raining snares, fire, and brimstone. And a snare is a trap. So, uh, anyone wanting to understand this literally would have to think that God is raining down from heaven traps out of the sky or snares. And, of course, that that's not happening, and it never would happen. God is, uh, by uh, adding the word snares, letting us know you have to understand fire and brimstone spiritually. The cup is the, the cup that Jesus drank of in the garden. And there was no literal cup. You could not see any outward uh, wrath of God strike him. It was a spiritual judgment on Christ. The cup is the same cup the churches drank during the 23-year judgment upon them, during the Great Tribulation. And it was all spiritual. It was the removal of God's Holy Spirit from the midst of the congregations and the removal of his salvation from them. And, and that is the fire and brimstone represents the fierce anger of God against sin and sinners. And it's not to be understood spiritually. Also in Isaiah chapter 30, the last verse, verse 33, and the end of that verse, it says, The breath of Jehovah like a stream of brimstone doth kindle it. The breath of Jehovah is related to the word of God because all scripture is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. And so the word of God is breathed out. It is the breath of Jehovah. And it is God's word that kindles or or a fire is kindled in his wrath. 
It's the word of God that is judging mankind. So the fire and brimstone is coming forth spiritually from this holy book, the Bible, to condemn the inhabitants of the earth. Well, uh, okay, let's go back to Revelation 20 in verse 6. Let me start from the beginning of the verse. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, that is, those that become saved. On such, the second death hath no power, because we cannot be harmed, we have eternal life. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. That is, those blessed individuals that God has saved and resurrected their soul, they've experienced the first resurrection, they shall be priests of God and of Christ. And we know the Bible teaches spiritually that God's people are made prophets, priests, and kings. And um, the Lord says in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And, and so we're a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood. We do service to God and Jesus Christ. And, you know, some people, when they see God right this way, that is, they see that it, it doesn't just say they shall be priests of God, but and of Christ. And, and then they try to um, say, because God has named God and Christ, that you see, Christ isn't God. And, and, uh, he, he's something else. And, and yet, um, of course the Bible won't allow that for a second. And also, they do not, uh, follow through. Uh, uh, the Bible calls Jesus Lord many places. And yet, only God is Lord. And, and just, just think, if, uh, Christ were not God, why does he need priests? It's only deities that need priests that do service to them. And yet here God is saying that true believers, the elect people of God, are priests of God and priests of Christ. We are Christ's priests. And tell me, which of the prophets has their own priests? Did Moses have priests? Did Isaiah or Jeremiah or any of the the prophets have priests? Of course not. They're only men. Only God has priests, true priests, and and false gods, they have their false priests. But here we're said to be priests of God and equally priests of Christ because they're one and the same. The, uh, it, God wrote it this way in order to confound the unregenerate, to confuse things, and we'll see what God does next, that that is um, how the Bible was written. 
God wrote the Bible to uh, snare and trap and confound and confuse and and redirect and and point over there when to the ungodly, to the unsaved, to those that are not his elect. Well, it goes on to say, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And we've already read about a thousand years a few times in uh, these early verses of Revelation chapter 20. And the key to understanding the thousand-year references in this passage, and, and uh, you know, there's been all kinds of misunderstandings and erroneous conclusions drawn and just uh, outlandish and false end-time scenarios developed by theologians and and those that have come to Revelation chapter 20, primarily because they have not followed this pretty simple principle when it comes to a number. First of all, we have to find the spiritual meaning of the number. And thousand points to completeness. And then secondly, when we have a spiritual meaning, we apply it to what is in view. And in that particular statement or verse. And here, what's in view? They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. All those that have experienced the first resurrection, all those that God has saved, will reign with him because they're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and they will reign with him how long? A thousand years. Now, it's the natural mind. It's the carnal mind, the fleshly mind that that wants to take things literally. And so they... They say, all right, here they will reign for a literal thousand years. But that is not what's in view. It is, again, completeness of the actual thing in view. And how long will the elect reign with Christ? And the answer the Bible gives is forever and ever, because they have been given eternal life. They will reign with him forevermore into eternity future. Um, it's, it's a glorious, um, future that awaits each child of God. Those that were part of the first fruits or those of the final fruits that came out of the great tribulation, all that have experienced the first resurrection will reign forevermore with the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made us Prophets, priests, and kings. Kings reign. And we're a royal priesthood. So we do reign. We have been adopted into the family of God. And it's simple, isn't it? Okay, now we understand. It's very straightforward. Once we have that key that God gives us, as he has taught us in other places in the Bible, what to look for, how to understand his word. He's given us the solution to the mystery. But if you don't follow the proper methodology, 
If you don't compare scripture with scripture, if you don't look for the deeper spiritual meaning, well, just imagine trying to understand this naturally. Okay, here God just finishes saying that the elect, the the ones that have uh, experienced that first resurrection will reign with him a thousand years. And in the very next verse, verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now, how how could we understand that? Well, God just finished mentioning a thousand years. So obviously, this thousand years is the same thousand year period. And that's what throws everything off uh, course and it, it leads to people developing their eschatology of pre-mill, and mill means a thousand, so pre-a-thousand-year doctrine, or post-mill, post-thousand-year doctrine, or a-mill, no-thousand-year doctrine, and they're all wrong because they're not being careful, and, and most of all, because the Holy Spirit is not guiding them into truth because they do not have the Spirit of God directing them on how to properly understand the Word of God, the Bible. And from verse to verse, we we cannot assume that each verse builds upon the previous verse. And here, the thousand years, when the thousand years are expired, is not building upon verse 6, but this goes back to verses 2 and 3. In Revelation 20, verse 2, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. Exactly as verse 7 says, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So verse 7 goes with verses 2 and 3. And that reference to a thousand years in verses 2 and 3 and in verse 7 has to do with the complete time of Satan's binding which began in 33 AD and continued over the course of the church age for 1955 actual years. And then everything fits, everything harmonizes, everything goes well into place in God's program of times and seasons. And yet we can see how hard the Lord made this, how difficult he he made it by using the same number in close proximity from one verse to another verse, knowing that man would make that assumption. It's all speaking of the same thousand years. And it leads to error and, and to faulty conclusions. But at the time of the end, God has opened up the scriptures and he has revealed to his people, so we can read this with comprehension, with understanding. The wise will understand, but none of the wicked, because they do not know how to read the Bible. 
To put it plainly, that that's the truth. They do not know how to come to the Holy Scriptures and read with understanding because they try to apply natural techniques, worldly ways of understanding with grammatical, historical methods of interpretation, and they they come with their own man-made hermeneutics to understand a spiritual word, a, a word that is far above them and higher than them, that they could never be able to understand with using finite little man's reasoning. And, and yet God leads his people to the proper method of understanding or proper biblical hermeneutic that he himself tells us we must follow in order to come to right doctrine here a little, there a little. According to Isaiah 28 is how we learn doctrine. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.